Uh, I can say that many of the people in my course that studied with me um, had already gone for pension. So Israel, a state that's 72, uh, very young. Uh, there were many people in my course who were born the same year the state was born. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Low Season, a podcast about tour guides, tourism, and the future of travel. My name is Wouter Bernhardt. I'm a tour guide from Berlin, and currently I'm gauging how my fellow tour guides are navigating the pandemic. For today's episode, we return to Israel to talk to Shira Kleinman in Haifa. Shira loves showing people around the country and is a firm believer in the tour guiding license you need to guide in Israel. We talk about food, community, and how to stay positive during this crisis. Here is Shira Kleinman. Yeah, you are you are in um, you are in Haifa. Yes. Um, is that how you pronounce it? Is it Haifa? Yeah. It's a lot of spring and saying, so it's Haifa, yeah. Well, I I I've, I know very little about uh, Haifa. Do you, can, can you tell me a little bit about it? Uh, so Haifa is an amazing city. Um, it's a city that is built more or less on uh, a mountain ridge, on the Carmel mountain range. Uh, so you're always going up and down while still staying within the city, which is quite cool. There's a lower part of the city that pushes you right up against the Mediterranean, uh, which is amazing. Uh, so if you drive 10 minutes down the mountain, you're on the water. And if you drive 10 minutes through the mountains, you're in this beautiful green mountain range um, where there's hiking and camping and picnicking. Uh, so you really get the best of both worlds. And in addition to amazing scenery, uh, we also have a great deal of history here. Um, it's one of the holiest centers of the Baha'i faith is uh, is here in Haifa. Their gardens are here in Haifa. Uh, so it's kind of a pilgrimage site for believers of the Baha'i faith. Uh, there's also something so unique and special about the city of Haifa in its population. It's a city that's filled with Jews and that's filled with Arabs and that's filled with neighboring Druze. Um, so it's really quite cool to be able to live in a city and be exposed to so much in such a little space. How does it compare, for example, to Jerusalem? You've lived in Jerusalem for six years. Um, how, how do the two cities compare? So Jerusalem and Haifa, I have to say, and I think the people who have lived in both tend to agree that there's something in the personality of Jerusalemites and dwellers of Haifa that's very similar. There's, um, a, I would say, a warmth and something so homey and comfortable uh, about the people living in both cities, which is what I really loved. Um, there's not a lot of muss and fuss when you go out, uh, even in the evenings, it's not about dressing up and uh, a whole scene. It's really about going out and enjoying times with your friends and exploring the cities and what they have to offer. Um, and both cities have an amazing developing food culture because they're so diverse uh, in the people that live there and the people that visit these cities. Uh, which is my true love, uh, is food. <laughs> um, I would never tell my fiance that to his face, but my true love is food. Um, <laughs> and uh, so both cities are just filled with that uh, that warmth. And I think because food is such a big part of both cities, that warmth is quite natural uh, because we get to know each other and we welcome each other with food. Um, and it's like a window into someone's life, into their home, when you eat with them or eat their food. Uh, and both cities uh, just have an amazing, unique food culture. Um, 
which I really, truly love. Tell, tell me a bit about tour guiding. Um, we, we talk with, or I talk with people from all over the world at this point, uh, telling them uh, or telling me about their experiences being a guide in the place that they are. Um, what made you become a guide in Israel in the first place? I moved to Israel eight years ago, um, having fallen in love with the country, having come here many, many times with my family, uh, and being part of several uh, community trips and youth group trips. I got to see a whole bunch of different educators uh, who are very much a part of my experience that led me to falling in love with Israel. And so it was through that that I made the decision to move here. And when I first moved here, I uh, decided to work for a gap year program for American students who are studying in Israel for a semester. And I started teaching high school, um, teaching Jewish history course. And there was something about teaching this material uh, that I just connected to. Uh, I always said that I wasn't sure I could ever be a math teacher because I didn't connect to math. I understand its necessity, but I didn't connect to it. And there was something about being able to tell the story of a people and then be able to go out the next day into the field and show where that story took place, show how much that place has developed since that story took place. Uh, and it it just clicked for me. Um, and during my uh, time teaching high school, I also got to learn from a lot of great educators that were working there. And uh, they recommended that I try this tour guiding course. And uh, in Israel, the tour guiding course is two intensive years. It's like getting a master's degree in the state of Israel. Um, and you go on 100 full day field trips and something like 600 hours in the classroom learning. And then you take your final exams, which perhaps were the scariest things that I've ever done. Um, <laughs> but um, it just, it, it clicked for me. Um, and uh, I get now the gift of being able to show people a country that I fell in love with. And I know the power of that role of being the person who's part of someone's Israel experience or Israel education. And uh, it's a real privilege and a gift to get to do that full time. Why do you think the, the, the license and the, the training uh, is something I also speak to different people about? Because every city and every country has its own regulations and rules. Why, why, do, you, why do you think um, in Israel it's so, it's, it's so intense? I mean, in Berlin, you don't need to have any license whatsoever. You just rock oh, really? up and you can start guiding. Wow. Okay. I mean, I've heard I've heard um, places where you maybe do a month's training, or you have to pay a fee, or you have to do something. But two right. years of intense training—that's that's something else altogether. Yeah, I um, I I wouldn't say that it was something easy. I definitely cried for about the first five months because I also did the course in Hebrew, um, which was part of my immersion into the country um, through the language. And I was found that I was suddenly understanding geology in Hebrew, but didn't have the words in English for it, which is a very weird thing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think because of the weight that Israel holds uh, in different places in so many people's lives, whether it be on the political spectrum or a religious spectrum or historical spectrum, um, for so many people, it's such an important place. And because of that, there's so much spoken about in regards to Israel, uh, specifically uh, with social media and news and this aspect of instant gratification 
uh, in the world that we live in and that you can get a million opinions um, all in this little device you hold in your hand. Uh, I think that Israel uh, does a beautiful job of being able to empower uh, guides and really to give uh, a very different picture of the role of the guide and of the knowledge of the guide. Um, that they're trying to ensure that they have the base knowledge and that what they add to it is then their personality and their experience. Uh, I can say that many of the people in my course that studied with me um, had already gone for pension. So Israel, a state that's 72, uh, very young. Uh, there were many people in my course who were born the same year the state was born. So going through the course and talking about the history of the state and then hearing their parallel history as they lived it uh, was really, truly unbelievable. Um, so you get a great deal of the depth and of knowledge and of experience of the country, even uh, if you grow up here and live here your entire life. There are many places you would have never been unless you did this course. Um, and so it's just to broaden the understanding uh, of this amazing country. And I really, now having passed the test and being over it and uh, working full time in it uh, for over two and a half years, it's just, uh, it's unbelievable. Now, we haven't been able to guide for a fair while. How, how has that been for you? What, what, what is the last tour you did and um, how have you been sort of coping not working? Um, so I, my last tour, I remember it, was March 11th. <laughs> uh, and because it was an old student uh, that came back um, with her family. Uh, who I hadn't seen in probably five or six years, and I got to show them around, which was amazing. Um, and uh, they flew out that night, and I think within the next week, slowly things started to shut down. Um, and it's been challenging, to say the least. I would say there are days that are better than others. Um, you know this just as well as I do, that so much of your day uh, is made by being able to talk to other people and go out and explore and uh, not get lost, but rather what my mom used to call going on an adventure um, <laughs> to try and, you know, deepen our own understanding of the cities and places in which we guide. And we haven't had the opportunity to do that. Um, and it's really made me feel quite empty. Um, so it's also forced me to be creative. Uh, on the days that are much better, it's forced me to uh, think about all the people who had that dream of coming here. And now that dream is on hold. And how can I, as someone who so much loves to engage with their Israel experience, do that from a distance? Uh, so it's forced me to get creative and uh, think a little bit outside the box uh, just before they put us on full lockdown. <coughs> they, I went and did a virtual tour. I had someone walk around with uh, with a camera, and there were 30 other screens on Zoom on the other side, and we got to walk around together, and they got to ask questions, and it felt weird, but it felt nice. Had, had you done that before? Do, do sort of like a virtual tour before? Never. No, it was very weird. Um, and so much of what I love about guiding is being able to engage with people, get to know them and reference their lives throughout my tour and create a dynamic between us, even if it's only just for a few hours. Um, that's the difference between taking a guide and, and taking a book or your iPhone and walking around is you, you get to create a connection. And uh, that's what I love. So it was weird to be able 
to guide them, but not necessarily create that same connection because there was a screen uh, between us. Um, but it, it made me feel fulfilled, which was really great. Now, of course, these are not uh, coming along every day. So um, these these tours. So, what what do you what are you doing the rest of your time? So the rest of my time um, is spent uh, also doing great things around my home and gardening and finding all these new hobbies that I never knew that I had. <laughs> um, it's also things are starting to change here in Israel, which is amazing that things are starting to open up and there's still talk about what the future holds and what things are going to look like moving forward. Um, but to really start to think about having experience not working for two months and really having to push myself uh, to remind myself that it will come back and that it's worth holding out for and that there's so much that I love about the job that although right now it's a challenge, uh, that one day we'll get back to what it was. Um has definitely uh, given me energy to push through and to get excited about what comes next. Mm. Yeah, I think it's for for many people is the question now. Um, so, so that even even if you want um, to sort of wait out until it comes back, um, for many people, it's not sure how long that wait is going to take. Um, what are what in the meantime are we going to fill our times with is a, is a, a question that i ask people quite often because you said you, you're finding these hobbies you're finding things to do i find it by times very difficult to sort of motivate myself right to sort of say like okay this day i'm gonna do uh then paint the hallway or get into this cooking thing or you know I, i'm glad i've got this podcast now it, it gets me out of bed i don't know exactly what i would have done otherwise yeah, I um, I have to tell you that I have a to-do list that I probably started writing the second week of this time. And I said, these are going to be my productive days. These are things that I don't have time to do because I'm not home as often. I'm usually out of the house uh, about half of the month on the road, um, s sleeping in different hotels and things with my group, right? Moving around the country with them. Um, so I made myself this to-do list and I said, this is going to be the time where I, you know, fill in all those things that I haven't gotten to do, um, not just in my professional life, but in my private life and, uh, in my, my space, my home. And I probably on that to-do list of the, let's say 10 things that we, I wrote the second week, probably seven are still on my to-do list. And I just rewrite them every couple of days. Um, because you're right. It's just, it's hard. Um, when something you're so passionate about, and you know this probably more than anyone now having spoken to many guides that everyone does it for a certain reason, but it, it really, it, that reason drives you and, and pushes you to do this unique job that can be inconsistent. And it's a business where like we see now, um, might fail at certain moments and then you're really out of luck. Uh, so yeah, finding that motivation, in the day-to-day -day is not easy there it comes in weak spurts i would say is there anything about this crisis that made it that has made you think differently about the way you do this job um sort of not just the guiding itself but also where your income comes from uh the the companies you work for the the programs you normally guide around is there any way or anything that you'd like to change when the work comes back again 
I have to say that I've been really, really proud of a lot of the companies and a lot of the people in the uh, in the professional sphere that uh, I've had the gift of being able to work with, um, because there's been so much ongoing education uh, for guides and for office staff in tourism over this time period. Even though most staff members um, are put on uh, unpaid leave or have been laid off entirely. Uh, there's still been so much ongoing education and a desire to uh, ensure that that fire stays lit inside everyone um, that's been really inspiring. And I really hope that when this time uh, tapers off and we all go back to work, that that doesn't uh, disappear. Uh, Because it's been really great to know that at least once every two weeks or once a week, on Zoom, I see the torso of uh, 20 other guides or tourism professionals, and we learn something new together. Um, it's just uh, been really empowering, and I really hope that that's one thing that we have gotten out of this experience that doesn't go away, um, is that desire of continued education. In order to maintain your license in Israel, you have to do uh, at least one day of uh, renewed education every year. Um, But uh, this was on a private level done by different companies or by different educators who just said, I need to speak to other people who get this, much like what you're doing here, that you're creating a network of uh, of people who were struggling without their people. Um, And to be able to have that is really amazing. And I really, truly hope that that stays after this challenging time, hopefully. Well, Shira, I want to thank you so much for uh, talking to me. I really appreciate your insights and you sharing your thoughts about uh, what's going on. This has been uh, amazing. And I mentioned to you in the email that it's it's hard to not be able to go out uh, in, and guide and meet those people, but to be able to talk about something uh, that we love is amazing. And to that you've provided that forum for guides who are looking for that and for people who are interested in understanding how much uh, guiding means to the people who do it. Um, I appreciate it. And uh, so thank you so much for having me. Shira Kleinman, everybody from Haifa in Israel. Shira has a great passion for tour guiding and has been trying to educate herself as much as she can over these past few months. She does a whole range of virtual tours that you book through her website, Tour with Shira. You can find more info in the show notes. You should have a look around in there because there's always a bit of bonus stuff to provide context to the episodes like Mount Carmel or the Shrine of Bob. Next week, we're back with Heidi Evans from Paris. It's more of a that people go to visit to learn about the past and what it was in the past. And I think that Paris has had its heydays. The Low Season is produced by me, Wouter Bernhardt. Music is by Mark Schilders. Artwork by C.C. White. Georgia Ryungu is podcasting hot sauce. Speak soon, my friends.